Do you want to hear what the best and most influential minds in the golf and turf industry have to say on issues affecting the world of golf, turf grass, and turf equipment? That's why I'm here. Tune in as Stephen Tucker takes us on a journey with some of the nation's best minds and finds out what they think. If you were looking for excitement, you have found the right place. Welcome to the Turf Addict Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to uh, to this week's episode of my podcast. Um, big week, uh, well, I guess the last few weeks, hadn't heard a whole lot, haven't posted anything, and, and uh, really haven't haven't done any podcasts since the beginning of the month. Uh, big reason, so, you know, the topic for this one is I want to do a little bit of reflection, talk about a career change, and then uh, we can kind of talk about this uh, coronavirus and its impact, but... Um, first I want to make sure I mention, you know, thank you to my sponsor, John Deere. Uh, if you get an opportunity to check out their precision GPS sprayers, we have two of them. They're a great product. Uh, reach out to your dealer and, and, uh, take a look at them. Um, so when I talk about <clears throat> reflection, um, you know, I, I was, I was trying to figure out when's going to be the right timing to, uh, to talk about this stuff and, and, uh, unfortunately the way things are going right now, it, it could be a while. So I felt like, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about it. But you know, the realization of, of what I, this, some of the stories I'm going to talk about are, are that, you know, listen, you know, careers aren't perfect. Things don't, uh, don't always go the, the way you plan them to go. Um, but keeping your head down and, and pushing through and, and making sure that you, are looking at the goal and not at the things that happen along the way and, and how important those were and have been in my career. Um, so, you know, I've been an equipment manager now for 20 years. Um, I went to Lake city community college. Um, I then went to Colorado, did my internship. And when I, when I finished my internship, I was already, I'd taken my first equipment manager's job. I think I was 21 years old and, my first boss, my, well, I won't say my first, but my first real job was, uh, with Randy Bushway in, uh, Boca Raton. And, and, uh, you know, I tell you that the, the great experience about spending time with him was that he was kind of an open book. You know, there wasn't anything I couldn't know or that I couldn't get answers for, you know, how much money we have in the budget. You know, he'd tell me, um, there was nothing really hidden. And on top of that, he was, he taught me other things outside of equipment management it, and it kind of tweaked my interest, you know, from what we're spraying and why we're spraying it to why do we verticut? What's the reasoning, airification? What's the real reason for it? Why, how do we choose some of the, some of the time sizes and why, you know, there's 17 different versions, you know, why are these the right ones to use or not the right ones to use? And, and so I, I kind of got a, you know, an insight and not just, managing equipment but what the reasons that I was doing some of the things that I was doing which started to make more sense and and for me looking you know putting the pieces together I'm very analytical and so I want to understand not why I'm doing it or, or not necessarily you know hey do this task but what's the reason I'm doing it what's the outcome going to be so that I can make sure when I do the task that the outcome is what we're expecting it to be so um so Randy was a great great mentor um I still talk to him every now and again, uh, even to this day. I think he's doing construction now, uh, managing construction projects. But 
uh, you know, was a super, super guy, super first boss for me in terms of uh, helping me, you know, carve a path. Um, I think when I started in this business, I, I was real young. You know, I was 21 years old as an equipment manager. And being an equipment manager at 21, you're just thinking, man, for the next, what, 30-something years, 40 years, whatever, I'm going to be doing the same job day in and day out. So, you know, what do I got to do to kind of elevate things? And back in those days, uh, there wasn't, I don't even know that equipment manager was a term we were using. It was mechanic or head mechanic or something along those lines. And, and from my aspects, you know, I was like, okay, so what do I got to do? And I asked Randy, you know, what are things that I've got to do to, to keep moving up? And he recommended going to technician meetings. And so, uh, I started going to some and then, um, I, you know, I kind of dressed up in a collared shirt and everything to go to these meetings. And I was realizing, well, man, you know, <laughs> these guys aren't dressing up these guys, you know? And, and so for me, it was like a image thing, meaning, you know, not that I'm better than anyone else, but Hey, listen, this is a professional profession in my mind. So I need to dress that way. I need to represent my club. And, um, I got a little bit different look at it when I went to the meeting. So when I talked to Randy, you know, he, he was explaining some of these things to me and, and that we weren't that far along in the, in that term yet. So, so anyway, I started thinking, okay, well, this is interesting. So, you know, what am I going to do or how can I change that? And, and uh, you know, part of it was thinking about getting more involved in the associations. Um, and so I got a little more involved and, and started trying to understand the other side of the coin a little bit more than, than I knew, you know, being 21, you don't have a whole lot of experience. And some of the technician guys were looking at you like, man, what does this kid know? Uh, he's 21 years old. I've been doing this for 15 years, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, so it was, it was an interesting start for me, uh, right out of the gate. Um, I spent three years with Randy and uh, then I moved on to a, another golf course. And, you know, this is an important story, because, and, and I've never, I don't know that I've ever told it to anyone because it's, it's not a fun one. And, you know, everybody loves to paint the everything's great picture, but it isn't always as great as you may think or, or you know, the way it may appear sometimes. And so um, I spent some time at a golf course for about a year. And, um, you know, I'm a pretty open person. I don't hide a lot. Um, at least I didn't. Um, when I feel a certain way, I, I express those feelings. And, you know, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. And sometimes I got good responses and sometimes I didn't. And, and uh, those are, that's just kind of the way things go. I don't, I don't keep a lot of stuff hidden. Um, and so I had an interaction with uh, my boss there that ended in my departure uh, I actually submitted my notice and, and, uh, the reason for it was that, you know, I reached out to him to get some advice on, you know, I thought from a career standpoint, you know, I wasn't, there wasn't enough, you know, I was at an 18 hole golf course and, you know, I felt like it wasn't, I don't know if it wasn't as challenging, but I was looking for more challenge. You know, we all know that, we could be there working at any golf course all day, every day. There's always something to do. Um, but it isn't just about the work. It isn't just about putting the pieces together or changing the tire or sharpening the reels. Sometimes, you know, people want more than just that. They want, you know, more pressure uh, could be some of it, right? So 
Um, the response wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, he got upset, took me back to the shop. We were riding around the cart. And uh, so I went home at the end of the day, and uh, he had the uh, assistants bring every piece of equipment out and look at every piece of equipment and make a list of things that they noticed that were wrong. Low tire, um, light, headlight out, taillight out, uh, something like that, right? And so the next morning I come in and I've got this list in front of me and uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh because, you know, from my standpoint, it didn't get what I was going for. I was trying to just get advice, not to say I didn't like where I'm working or any of those types of things. And so, it didn't obviously didn't go over that way. Um, so that morning he came in and we had a conversation that didn't go real well. Um, I kind of just sat back and took it. And, uh, and then, you know, the rest of the day I thought about how I was talked to and, and didn't feel that it was, I was talked to the right way. And, and so I decided to write up a resignation letter and I did so. And, uh, I think the next day I laid it on his desk and before noon, I was, I was told that I could take off. Uh, they didn't need me anymore. So difficult story to tell for me, uh, for a lot of reasons and, you know, obvious reasons that I'm not mentioning the clubs or the names or any of that type of thing. Um, and it isn't really, you know, it, it I guess it didn't really hit me initially, the, uh, obviously it didn't what I would learn from it. But, um, you know, the problem for me was that I took that experience to the next golf course. And, um, I ended up after that going to interview at, uh, a golf course in Georgia, uh, great golf course, one of the best golf courses I've, well, the best golf course I've probably ever worked at as an employee, uh, at Hawks Ridge golf club. And, I remember, I remember this every, you know, just my whole career. This is a thought that I, I just, there was a, there was a point in my career where it could have went a different way. Um, I remember sitting in the interview with them, flew to Georgia. Um, my dad lived there, so it was, you know, kind of made meant to be. I thought. Uh, I remember going to the interview and and <laughs> the superintendent at the place that I just. Uh, quit had called the superintendent here and 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 made some comments toward that you know I didn't do a very good job and so on and so forth and and so when I got there that was mentioned and it was almost like well I don't even know if I want to interview you and you know I was calmly just said you know I understand um you know we obviously have differences of opinion on how well I did my job or didn't do my job um, but very fortunate for me, there was an article that came out in a magazine the same month that I interviewed. Um, and I just told him, listen, you know, I don't know what he told you, but go to this, go to this article. It's I'm in it and read it. And if what you read in the article matches up with what the individual said, then don't hire me or hire me, you know, it, but there's no way that what they what what gets said in the article and, and what gets said on the phone are are that big of a difference. Why would you say that in an article if you didn't mean it? And why would I even be in one if I didn't do a very good job? So, so anyway, for me, right, um, I could have my career could have ended right there um, if every job that I went to try to apply for um, 
these phone calls were made, I could have never, you know, for as far as the golf industry is concerned, I could have been out of it at that point. So you're looking at, you know, I've been in the business, what, three, four, probably four and a half years maybe at that time. Um, and, you know, being someone that <laughs> that likes to have the conversations and, and I realized right then that maybe I didn't need to have those conversations just based on what, on what experience I'd had. And, uh, so, you know, I got offered the position anyway, despite the, the phone call and, and, um, you know, I knew I was under a microscope at that point because of, you know, the not knowing, you know, is what was written in the article true is what the guy said true. Um, and so I, I think the first couple of weeks for me were pretty difficult one because of the way I start, you know, I kind of analyze the guys that are working there and, and get a, get a feel for what they do and how they do it so that when I go to teach them or train them on the right ways of doing things, that I figure out ways to tell them without making it my idea or without uh, making them mad. Because for me, you know, my goal is to always keep my guys, not to, to let them go uh, because they, they aren't going to do what I ask them to do. I, I want to have a relationship with them, and so that takes some time. It isn't going in and, all right, this, you know, we're shutting all this down and doing it my way. I've never been one to, to be that way. Um, so I know, you know, it took me a couple weeks to, you know, I'm organizing and getting parts rooms cleaned out and all that type of stuff, and I remember having to go in and have a conversation, you know, listen, you know, when are we going to get things started? <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I am. You know, I'm getting everything organized and cleaned up and so on and so forth, and, and so, you know, I knew there was a little bit of tension there in terms of not knowing what to expect. Um, but Jim, you know, Jim's a tough guy, tough tech or tough superintendent, and but a great one. Um, like I said, the conditions of the golf course at Hawks Ridge are unbelievable. It was, you know, uh, an honor to be able to to work there. And and I think, you know, as time went on, Jim and I's relationship got better. At, but I'm a big part of a reason that that you know it didn't go maybe further than it could have. And and that was because of the experience previous. You know, I, I was more focused on just doing the work and not so much about the relationship when I was at Hawks Ridge. And that's my fault. Um, you know, I had gotten a bad vibe at the prior position, and, and so I was kind of gun-shy of laying my feelings out uh, for anyone to, to see or my thoughts. And so... Um, I remember what I was there maybe a year and a half or so. And I got a job offer to come back to Florida from Georgia. And, um, <clears throat> I remember telling Jim and Jim was like, man, you know, we'd hate to lose you, but we understand. Um, and you know, a lot of great comments came, you know, the, how good I was doing and how great everything was looking. And, and, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm all about signs. <laughs> so when, when something doesn't like when the things don't line up for me, I, I tend to shy away from making a decision going that direction. If things don't like seem like they're going the right way, if there's a lot of obstacles that are in the way, you know, I'll sit, think about it and maybe rewind or, or choose a different route, uh, to get to the goal. And I remember, uh, driving, I'd put in my notice. We were on my last day. I was I was actually had a U-Haul and I was going to pick or I was going to pick the U-Haul up. And a, I don't remember what, but a bunch of things that went wrong that day. And 
the wife and I got in the U-Haul and we, we drove to, or we drove to get the U-Haul and we passed the exit. And for me, I don't know what it was, but that just, for me, that just ended it. Like, all right, I've been told that this isn't the right decision to make. So I ended up calling Jim back on the phone and said, Hey, listen, you know, I just, I've got this weird feeling that I ought to stay. And so, you know, would you mind me staying? And he was like, no, love it. Uh, pr- you know, we'd love to have you here. So, uh, so I ended up staying and, uh, and you know, it, it was unbelievable. Some of the things that, that we did at Hawks Ridge, but also, you know, some of the experiences, I mean, I think I've told the story in a few classes that, you know, we actually loaded up a walking greens mower, um, for Chichi Rodriguez and helicopter, um, so that he could take it back to his golf course because uh, he loved the greens so much at Hawks Ridge and, and, and what we were doing on them. And, and uh, so, you know, for, for someone like this young like that, that that's loading up a greens mower and a helicopter, that's, a, that's an impactful uh, time. And for me, that's what, you know, really set my focus on the cutting units. It was the, it was the focus going in, but it just reiterated that that needed to always be the focus um, was how well – that we, uh, that we were setting up cutting units. So from, you know, and, and the point here I wanted to make is that, you know, in my career, things haven't went perfect. You know, I've had, to, I've had some trials and tribulations along the way. Um, and then, you know, you have these little things that happen that can steer you one direction or another, and it's kind of how you deal with them. And sometimes things have to line up. I mean, just, you know, I can imagine and think of the chain reaction of things that could happen, right? The, you know, well, what if he doesn't hire me? Um, would I still be in the golf business? Would I go do something else? Um, and if I had went and done something else, you know, would there still have been the IGCMA? Would there have still been certificate program? Would equipment managers be, um, a part of the GCSA? Um, there's a lot of things that I look at that can affect uh, the future or, or what could have been the future. And, you know, there's certainly another trail that could have taken me another direction and maybe some good things would have happened that direction and, and not necessarily because of me, but I think all of us have these things that happen um, along the way and we have choices to make that take us down one road or take us down another road and where our careers go. I think also that you get things get put in front of you to help you uh, kind of manage who you are. Meaning, you know, I had a bad temper when I was younger, um, and and so that played a role in maybe some of what what transpired. But I learned to manage it over time because of these experiences that I had. Um, but at the same time. You know, then there's the ones that you shouldn't have made that decision. Like, you know, when I worked with Jim, I, maybe I shouldn't have just been so concentrated on the work and started and worked on more of a relationship. And, and you know, I take full responsibility for that. And, it, and it's, it's what you learn as you go. Um, you know, maybe if I hadn't had the experience prior, I wouldn't have been that way. Uh, don't know. Don't know the answer to that. But anyway... Uh, following Hawks Ridge, I ended up going to, uh, build a golf course, Ritz Carlton. Um, got a call from Marriott golf, um, wanting me to come and work for them. And I saw it as a huge opportunity. Um, there was possibly some opportunity in the future to manage multiple courses. Um, and so I wanted to take that opportunity of growth. And so I ended up doing that. And then the economy tanked and, 
and I ended up, you know, spending seven years at Ritz Carlton. I worked with Nick von Hoffen, super boss. Uh, I think I learned that, you know, it was there that I kind of opened up a little bit more from uh, learning, you know, part of the process of trying to keep keep a good relationship between the superintendent and myself. Um, and we're very similar, you know, his mentality, mine, we're, we're very similar. So, um, and what our expectations were. So, uh, it was a really good fit and, uh, and we worked well together before he moved on to, uh, to Naples. And, and, um, I think while I was there is when, when I started, uh, working on IGCMA and, you know, the big, the big story behind IGCMA is that that could have also not, not taken off the ground. I mean, uh, I'm the type of person that likes to get a lot of input from other people. Uh, what do you think? Um, doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, when I make a decision that it's based on, you know, one person's input, but I try to take a collective, um, survey, so to speak, before I make any major decisions to make sure that I'm thinking of everything. Um, you know, I'm a smart guy, but at the same time, there's things that I miss all the time and, and that other people see. And so it's, it's important that I take into account all of that information before I make a decision. And, and, uh, and then once I make the decision, I'm all, you know, I'm headed down that road. I don't look back. So, so I think, you know, a lot of the comments, you know, I wouldn't say a lot, but there was quite a few comments saying that this has already been tried when we started the association that, you know, it's not going to work. Um, you need to start this from a different point of view. Uh, it needs to start at local chapters, you know, the, all these different, different opinions, which weren't wrong. Uh, just, you know, in my mindset, I was thinking of where technology was at. I was looking at, you know, there's not a huge difference in how we manage, well, how we manage equipment, maybe a lot of differences in how we do cutting units, but from managing equipment standpoint, uh, it all needs to be managed, you know, kind of similar ways. So, so my feeling was that I needed to get individuals all over the country uh, to, in order to support it, that it couldn't just happen from Florida um, because now it's a Florida association that you're trying to push on everybody else outside the country. So I wanted to go to each state and think of people I knew or friends or uh, people that other people knew or manufacturers and try to get everyone involved in, in wanting to, to make this thing happen and and uh, so we were able to we were able to push it forward and, and get it to happen and and then eventually join GCSA, which is for me, you know, a big part of of my equipment management career was you know the association and 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 it was really no different from what my my thinking was when I was 21 years old as an equipment manager is you know how are we going to continue to elevate this this position. Um, and it comes with an association. I see a lot of times, you know, people, you know, knocking on GCSA or, or whoever, and, and what are they doing for me? Well, you know, I can tell you what, what it would look like if there wasn't someone there to do anything for you, you know, because we were there, um, you know, from a superintendent's aspect, you know, there ain't many of the guys around that, that witnessed the, the beginning of it. So you don't know where it was when it started and what all has been done you know, over the, over the years to get you where you're at. But I know where we were and I know where we started and I know what salaries were. And I knew, I know what the position was looked at and how people saw the role. Um, and I know what it is now and it's a huge difference. And, you know, the only, the only thing that has changed between 
where we were and where we are now, it, you know, it, there wasn't like a ton of technicians then either. Uh, the only thing that's changed is we created an association. We created an awareness of what the job and the position was. Um, and now we're getting less of them. So there's more demand. Um, but overall, you know, if you look at when these technicians are going to the show, uh, the professional image has changed what, what we do and how we do it has changed. And so, um, when you know, you look at GCSA and, and you pick at specific things that, you know, maybe those things are easy to pick at, but there is a, there is a reason that they're here and they are able to continue to, to push the, the, your career forward. And, you know, that's what, that's what IGCMA's role was and, and what GCSA is helping with equipment managers now. So that's why it's important to support it so that we're not back where we started. And, you know, we're making $25,000 a year and um, we are still asked to do the same thing we're doing right now. You know, um, it, it's it's crazy, you know, when you start thinking about it, but not, you know, if you, if you didn't start one and if you didn't, if you weren't there from the beginning and know where you were and be able to see its advancement, uh, not because of you, but because of all the people that support it and, and all the people that got behind it. And, and that's why it is what it is. And the guys that are so engaged now, it's great to see, you know, for me, when I go to the show every year, it's, it's great to see these guys that are stepping up and, and uh, pushing things forward and, and continuing to elevate what the equipment manager role is. Um, and that's, you know, that was the purpose of doing it. You know, that, that was the purpose, whole purpose of us creating it was to elevate what the equipment manager position was. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited every time I see it. I, th- I saw a Twitter post, what, yesterday or the day before that had an old IGCMA certificate uh, book or uh, study guide uh, that was posted and, you know, just brought back memories of putting that whole thing together. And, you know, it's great to see that that stuff still floating around. Um, so, you know, as far as career uh, started, well, while I was at, we start, stopped at Ritz-Carlton, that's when I was doing IGCMA. And, and so then, you know, I started doing consulting and uh, I went and consulted for a friend of mine at Four Seasons in Dallas Um and while I was there, got offered a got offered a job, and and uh, been at Ritz Carlton for seven years. The economy had tanked, and I knew that you know, and after discussing with multiple people, that there wasn't going to be an opportunity for a you know a, a higher role uh, within Marriott. So, uh, so I elected to to move, and I moved out to Texas, and and with Four Seasons, and that was a, a great move as well. Had some. Uh, some great opportunities there. You got to do the Byron Nelson championship. Um, and I think the great thing for my career is just spending so much time in the hospitality industry. And, and it's, it's a different, it's just a different thing. You know, you, you're concentrating from the hospitality side of things. You, you concentrate more about people and less about the work, so to speak. Um, doesn't mean that the work doesn't mean anything. It just means if you've got the right people with the right attitudes, the work will get done the right way. Um, and I think that's, it's just a different spin on it. You know, we hire people because they're very good at doing a specific job, but they may not have a great personality. Well, that personality affects everybody else. So, you know, is it great to have one guy that's really good and he affects five other people that don't do as good because of that, 
that attitude that individual has. Um, you know, it's just different mentalities of looking at things. Um, and so, you know, it's been great for me to, to spend this time in the hospitality industry and it definitely resonated more with me. You know, it's, it's definitely much more, you know, touchy feely than say a private club may be. Um, you know, I like to share my experiences and my stories and, you know, what's going on in my life. And I don't know that that fits real well in the private club side. Maybe some clubs uh, it does, and, and superintendents have created that environment for it. Um, but from prior experience, it it wasn't necessarily that way. So I think uh, – and, and I think it has evolved. I think definitely people are seeing that a lot more. You see Carlos Araya posting about this type of stuff all the time uh, between articles and posting on Twitter. And and uh, so, you know, I think it's slowly starting to change a little bit. But I think you know, the hospitality side of the business is, is certainly been intriguing for me. And, and um, you know, spending the time over at Four Seasons, it was very similar to Ritz-Carlton in, in that aspect. Um so I spent, uh, what, a couple years there. Um, my stepfather got cancer, and uh, he passed away. And so it left my mom in Florida with about six and a half acres to manage on her own. Um, and that was definitely a tough time. Um, and then so I decided, listen, it's very difficult for me to come from Texas to Florida um, on a flight at a last minute. Uh, versus being closer. So I started looking at opportunities in Florida, and we were looking at a Four Seasons property here uh, in Orlando. And uh, initially I came and did the equipment evaluation before uh, before the ownership had signed the documents or after, just after they had signed them to kind of get an idea of what kind of capital investment was going to be needed on equipment and uh, submitted that to them. And and then uh, got offered a position to, to come to Orlando. And, and so it was it was less about, you know, I loved it in Dallas and my family loved it there. Um, uh, it was more so about the situation that we were in and, and the ease of being able to be there when I need to be. Um, and so that, that was a bit, the biggest part of our decision to move. So when I came to Orlando, um, I went from, what, 36 holes to, to managing 18 and and uh, so it was uh, a little bit easier, I would say. It gave me the opportunity to expand what I was doing. And I've been, you know, I do that, done that pretty much my whole career, try to get involved in more things than just managing equipment so that I understand all of it. You know, for me, it's about putting the pieces together um, from, you know, doing the grow in and, and seeing, you know, and, and working with the, ins- the install of a pump house and, and, um, putting in irrigation and adjusting it all and, and uh, you know, different fertilizers and chemicals and products and so on and so forth. I mean, learning that through the last 20 years has been um, a great part of my growth because me understanding the checks and balances behind what we're doing and why we're doing it is the reason. That's the reason I do it to the level I do it to. If I didn't understand it, then I'd just be putting stuff together just for the heck of it and not understanding what it's going to do when it gets out there. I think it's important that we all know that. Um, but here at Four Seasons, um, in Orlando, I've had the opportunity to do quite a few things. You know, I had an equipment manager in the shop or a head technician in the shop. And, and so my job was more, uh, more so to manage everything in terms of the fleet, uh, from doing the leases to 
managing the budget, obviously. Um, and it was a little more complicated because I had the golf cart fleet as well as the hotel fleet. And, and that's, you know, just a, a lot more numbers. Um, so, but then at the same time I was doing artificial turf installs at the hotel. Um, I did the departmental budget for the prop for our, our golf maintenance, um, very involved in, in the day to day, you know, from what fertilizer, what size tines, um, what heights cut we're moving to, um, just heavily involved in the whole process. So from the get go and that, that really stirred, you know, listen, these are, these are areas that, that I'm enjoying, uh, as well as the equipment side of it. Um, so in saying that, you know, my, my boss, Rusty's excellent, great boss. Uh, he's actually moving, uh, I believe into this month or maybe some, some part of next month. And, and, um, that, so his position came available and, uh, you know, I remember having conversations with, uh, a lot of people, uh, about it and, and thinking about, well, you know, when I looked at the job description there, you know, 90% of the job description was things that, that I have some part of doing or do. Um, I do not have an agronomy degree, but I know a lot about it just from over 20 years of experience with, with dealing with it and, and I'm in no shape or form, uh, <laughs> good enough to go out and, and, and manage everything day to day. But I am in terms of managing, a an operation, you know, that isn't a, that isn't a difficult thing for me to do. Uh, I'm able to do that. So, um, uh, so anyway, as, uh, as there was a lot of discussions and happened, I decided, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and apply for it and, and interview. And so, um, went through the interview process and they actually offered me the, the position to, uh, to become the director of golf course and landscape at four seasons here in Orlando. So, um, with that, we, you know, we've also, uh, our assistant superintendent, who's great, uh, Lou Eckhart, he, uh, great friend of mine, uh, excellent agronomist um very well connected he's got he's got very good contacts in, t- in our business and um you know just great guy all, all around and and um they offer him superintendent's position so um two things there one for me um there's a lot of comfort in having lou uh managing the golf course um but at the same time um I expect to have to teach him and train him on what I'm doing as well as him helping me learn a little bit more about, about what he's doing. And, and so from a team aspect, we've been working together now for a couple of years and, and, uh, man, what a, we've, we've established something in Orlando that is just awesome. Um, between me, him and Rusty, uh, just the atmosphere, the team, uh, the guys, um, they, they love doing a great job and, and, uh, they love the atmosphere. And I think, you know, when we were during the interview process, that was a lot of the questions were about, you know, keeping the team, um, the team together and, uh, you know, what, what we would look like, uh, moving things forward. And, you know, <laughs> you say all that and, and then, um, you know, a lot of things, you know, a lot of the people that I had talked to in terms of this position, um, you know, I remember talking to Thomas Bassus. I remember talking to Carlos Araya and, and John Cunningham always is pushing me to get uncomfortable. Um, very comfortable in the equipment management aspect of things. Um, it's 
not that it's easy because we always have those challenges that come up, but um, I know it fairly well. So, um, so it, it isn't as challenging as, as say what I call jumping the tracks. You know, I'm, I'm stepping out of a career that I've done for 20 years and I'm starting a new track on, on this side of the fence. And, and so, you know, in my mind, there's only three places that I'd even be able to do that in because not everyone knows, you know, I can put my resume together and send that to somebody. Right. But nobody knows the other things behind that resume that you're good at. So I would never be able to take my resume the way it is now and, and take it to another golf course that had the same position available and get that job. Um, it just, it's not, it wouldn't be known. They look at the resume and say, well, he has no experience uh, on agronomy. Well, that's incorrect. I got 20 years worth. Um, do I have formal education with it? No. Um, is that something that I need to do a lot more on? Yes. Um, but if you look at a GM's role, right, depending on what track you come down, if you're a golf pro, you don't have agronomy um, background. You don't have food and beverage background more than likely. So does that make you an ineffective GM because you don't, are you not specialized in those two areas? Well, no, you know, uh, same thing with, you know, if you take the agronomy, uh, aspects and, and you become a GM, you have no food and beverage background. You have no, you know, you know, you haven't been a golf professional. So does that make you not an effective GM? No. So, you know, this is some of the discussions that were being had with some of the some of my friends uh, that that I talked through some of this stuff with to to make sure that this was the right decision for our family and for me and and you know so this was you know for me right being uncomfortable I don't mind it because that's when I do my best is when things are stressed out you know during a tournament and you got two machines that break down and you're under a timeline I mean that's when I'm I'm my best is is during those times, um, being able to make quick decisions, make the right ones, uh, calculate, uh, that's my, that's me in a nutshell. So, uh, so anyway, I wanted to, before, you know, obviously I haven't changed my job titles or anything like that on any of my stuff. And, and mainly because I wanted to kind of announce this. Um, and the reason for the long, kind of the long process of doing it is I wanted people to learn from, you know, or hopefully be able to take in some of this information that I'm sharing that, you know, careers are never always going to just line up exactly how you expect them to. You know, I hit some bumps along the road. I made probably some poor decisions along the road. I, you know, I did some things that, that, you know, I probably would have done differently looking back, but they're all learning experiences. If I had never, if I never took the opportunities or if I never did the things the way that I did, um, I would have taken a little bit different road or I wouldn't have learned as much from it. And so I think from my point of view, every time I make a wrong decision, I learn more from that than, than making the right one. And, and so, you know, as long as you learn from the decision, the, the bad choices that you make, then, you know, you can continue to, to make good ones along the way and, and you're going to make some bad ones. But, you know, listening to the signs that are around, right, you know, if there's a lot of bad things going on and well, I'm just going to make this decision anyway, this is just the way it's going to go and everybody's going to comply. Well, you're not going to get a lot of buy-in. Things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. And then, you know, when you go to make the right, when you end up having to come back around and make the right decision, you know, how much did it cost? How much people's time? How much did it affect the relationships that you were dealing with? Was it worth it? You know, those are some of the questions that, 
that you start asking. And um, so I think, you know, from, from my point of view, my experience, um, I wanted other equipment managers out there, you know, for two things, one to kind of see that, listen, there's bumps and roads bumps in the road and you gotta, you know, you gotta figure out how to get around them and, and you gotta learn from them, learn from the mistakes that you make. But, but more so, listen, man, there's more to it. You know, if you want to do things, don't, don't not go after it because you don't think it's possible. You know, I could tell you, I didn't see myself going down this track, um, initially, and the more I got more involved in doing things outside of equipment management, um, the more I liked it, the more I started realizing that, you know, maybe this, this is something I should do. Um, and, you know, I think you'll, you never fully know until you get in and you start doing it. But, hey, look, you know, I'm in the middle of a pandemic, and I started, what, Monday, uh, last Monday, um, with this position. So, um no time like the present to to manage to this situation, I guess. Um, very difficult one. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll start or end with, with the coronavirus and kind of my thoughts on it. I mean, obviously it's dangerous. We see that every day, uh, the death toll and what's going on. And I think for the most part, it's not necessarily about us getting it. It's about who we give it to. Um, you know, a lot of us are, are healthy guys and, and, and ladies and and so the the big thing for me isn't necessarily whether I get it or I don't get it it's more so about who am I going to give it to I think about my kids I think about my wife I think about my parents right so um, when you start going to work as usual and not doing things to prevent this then you know are we taking that risk not only for our families but for every other employee's families that we have and um, so for us, what we ended up having to do is, um, number one, we didn't know what we were getting into. So, you know, it's kind of irresponsible of us to try to try to do it on the fly. Um, it's important for us that, you know, we kind of have a game plan of how we're going to manage and, and that manage looks nothing like what it used to look. Um, so, you know, as of today, we, we have all of our guys back, uh, full speed and, and we have a lot of rules in place. You know, we got we drew up a standard operating procedure on this pandemic on how we're going to operate every day. And it doesn't look like our everyday maintenance. You know, there's a lot more time spent cleaning equipment and wiping down counters and cleaning door handles and, you know, disinfecting equipment every day before you use it, when you get on it, you know, when you get off of it. You know, there's just... So, you know, you look at it, the way we did things prior to this, you know, we're looking at all the lost time spent doing cleaning. And now <laughs> it's crazy that you see now we're spending, I mean, we're going to spend an hour or two per person a day just cleaning, just to try, just to prevent this from anything happening. And it doesn't mean nothing will, right? I mean, it's the risk that we take. Um, but you know, we've got to stay six feet away from people. We've, we've split our shifts up. So, you know, we'll have, uh, one group come in at five thirty, one group come in at six so that we don't have uh, a ton of people and we do our breaks outside. I mean, our uh, meetings outside now, uh, we don't do them inside the break room. So, uh, you're not in close quarters. Um, lunches are split. So guys don't have lunch at the same time, you know, go home times are, are different because, so that way you don't have everybody sitting at the wash station, um, on top of each other. So a lot of, a lot of effort and work has gone into kind of creating some rules around what we know 
Um, and then that'll change based on what we find out uh, down the road. But then on top of that, you look at all the disinfecting and gloves and stuff that we're using, you know, are we going to be able to still get those things? And, you know, so that, those are all things to consider when, you know, when we're going, going through this. Um, my advice would be to prepare for the long term. You know, they keep throwing dates up and they keep changing, um, you know, but if we only plan for, for this next two, three weeks, four weeks, whatever, whatever the plan is, and then it changes to another month, you know, what's the effect of that? So if we look at it lasting longer now and we prepare for the worst, then, you know, whether it be budgetary standpoint, whether it be man hours, whatever that ends up being, um, how long can we prolong it? And, and obviously we've got to do certain things to keep maintenance up for us. Obviously being in Florida, uh, the summer is our time to get the golf course ready so that during the wintertime it plays well. Well, you know, grass doesn't stop growing either. So, you know, what things are we willing to sacrifice? We've spent millions of dollars over the last five years to keep a golf course or get it to the condition that it's in. Are we ready to just let it kind of fall back? And the answer to that is no. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you got to have revenue coming in. There's got to be ways to generate money. And so there's an understanding that, you know, there's got to be, there's a point sometime where, Hey, we've, we got to figure out how to get, get things going. So, um, so that, the point is, um, is really just to, to, you know, the point we looked at was to stop and think about what it is that's going on and what we're doing and what things that we can implement for the guys, for their safety, as well as our own. Um, and to make sure that, that we aren't overusing the resources so that we can prolong should this need to be prolonged. Um, if we don't think that way, then, you know, we could get into a situation where we have nothing. The guys can't work any hours and the golf course has to grow up because they're, they're, there's no funds available. So, so anyway, I would encourage everyone to kind of look at everything and get an understanding and look at it over the long term instead of looking at it just for what they're projecting because, it, you know, that's changing every day and, and who knows what, uh, what the end looks like for this. Um, other than that, I mean um, – that's all for me this this week, and and I just want to tell everyone that I appreciate uh, all the support over the years. Um, I'm certainly not done on the equipment management side of things. Um, I do plan to keep my consulting business open, and I've got a couple of great guys that do things the, the same way or very similar to how I do them that are willing to also help me out with the consulting side and, and uh, continue to help guys get better. Um, and grow. And so, uh, so I will be continuing to do that. Obviously anyone that has questions regarding equipment management and those types of things, I'm always here to answer those. Um, but I'm also going to be calling, asking questions for people that have experiences on some things that I may not have. Um, you know, I'm very appreciative of all the people that I've met, um, going down the equipment management road and, and where that has taken me. Um, I'm also, very privileged to have some of the top guys in the world to be able to call and, and bounce ideas off of. And, and, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about creating connections in our business and, and, uh, you never know when you're going to get into a situation where you're uncomfortable and you need some guidance. And, and so, uh, I'm never too shy to, to take that when I need it and, uh, admit that I need it. So, um, 
so anyway, I uh, wish everyone the best and, and safe uh, next, hopefully next month, but, but even longer. Um, and hopefully uh, here in the next few weeks, I can, I can do another one of these and, and uh, I'll start bringing some more speakers on. But I just wanted to uh, announce to everybody and let everyone know what was going on. And, uh, you know, wish everyone the best and, and uh, have a good rest of your week.